Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. It's an absolute, honest-to-goodness truth, which is one of the reasons why Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent are so important. Not all expressions of Christianity or denominations participate in the season of Lent. I think it's important for us in our Wesleyan heritage because it was important to our founders and our uh, well, Wesleyan heritage. Because what the season of Lent is about, it's a time of reflection, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, to help us get ready for the glory of Easter. And we are having this Ash Wednesday service following our Sunday morning sermon, where I talked about repentance and how repentance literally means a change of mind. Now, of course, that is thinking completely differently about ourselves, our sinfulness, and our need for a Savior, but it is also a call and a challenge for us to see the world differently through the lens of God and God's love and God's grace and God's power and God's mercy. Well, of course, we just sang about that. And so it brings us into this place this evening as we consider the power of who God is and what he's done in us and what he does for us and what he wants to do through us and how we need a systematic, disciplined time of preparation to help us get ready for Easter. Now, of course, on Easter Sunday morning, March 31st this year, this place is going to be filled, it's going to be rocking, it's going to be rolling, it's going to be hooting and hollering. And my hope and my prayer is that your experience of Easter Sunday morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that celebration, is enhanced because of the season of Lent, this period of 40 days of reflection and penitence, surrender. Now you may be saying March 31st, February 14th, that's more than 40 days preaching. Yes, it is, actually. Sundays are excluded from the count of the 40 days because Sundays are considered many Easter's and therefore uh, take it at your own risk if you want to uh, celebrate differently and kind of get ahead of myself because what we do, one of the things that we typically do over Lent is we give up something. Has anybody in here already made a decision what you're going to give up? Anybody want to share what they're giving up? I mean, I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but anybody got some examples or ideas? Social media. Oh, God bless you. I need to do that too. What else? Anybody else? Control. Oh, control. Jay, my goodness. That's, whoo, that's huge. Michael? Stop blowing your horn. Stop blowing your horn. Are you talking about just tooting your horn or actually honking the horn in the car? Okay, honking it. Oh, there are the glasses. Anybody else have one they want to share? I heard from someone earlier going to give up sweets. Anybody giving up caffeine or coffee or cola? Yeah. Sometimes. 
a Lenten discipline isn't just about giving up something, but it's adding something. And Tiff and I were talking last night about what it is that uh, we're going to do. I think I'm going to uh, actually follow through on something that I've been working on for a little while. I've created a little uh, prayer closet in my man cave, prayer area, and I think I'm going to dedicate my prayer time to that. So now I've put it out there in the ether uh, so y'all can hold me accountable to it. Uh, but instead of just trying to do my prayer time while I'm wandering, waiting my coffee to brew or taking out the dogs, things like that, uh, I, I need that focused time to get centered. So the Lenten disciplines are really about helping us to grow closer to God. And of course, if you are giving up something like candy or social media or caffeine, things like that, you take the resources that you would have otherwise devoted to that, whether that is money, time, energy, whatever, you take that and you give it back to God. Whether you want to give to the church, you want to give to a ministry, you want to volunteer, you want to serve, find a way to take that which you are going to give up or fast and to give it back to God in service and in ministry. Whether that is with your time, or your energy, or your money, or your location, or your prayers. The reason we do this is because of the undeniable truth that we are mortal. We are mortal. None of us is going to get out of this world alive. And I know that that can feel heavy and morbid. But it is precisely why we need times like Ash Wednesday to remind us that we are but dust and to dust we will return. But you were created with a plan and a purpose for your life. When God created Adam, the Bible tells us that he formed Adam out of the what? The dust. The dust. And he breathed life into him. So we may say we are but dust, and to dust we will return. But God looks at dust, and he sees life. He sees potential. He sees hope. He sees power. And he wants to breathe that into you. But sin gets in the way, and we need a solution for our sin problem, which is why God sent his one and only son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to destroy the separation that exists because of our sinfulness on behalf of God so that we can be reunited with God spiritually. Jesus paid the penalty for sin. He fulfilled God's wrath on the cross. And when he declared it is finished, he meant that once and for all. And so, Lent is a time when we are called to remember that we are mortals. We are in need of a Savior. And God provided the way out through his Son and our Savior Jesus. And as the scripture tells us, for all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our scripture lesson this evening, and I didn't do follow-along notes or anything. I just figured we would go, together, go through it together on the screen. But it comes from the book of Job. Now the book of Job is, along with Genesis... Some of the early parts of Genesis, the earliest writings in all of the scripture. And you may be familiar with the story of Job. The story of Job is, is that Satan, meaning the accuser and God, basically have a bet that there is one person who was righteous left in the world. And Satan basically says, I bet that I can get Job to curse you. And of course, it's on, like Donkey Kong. 
But Job goes through all of these calamities, and with all of the hell and the torture that he was put through, he never cursed God. He did go as far as to curse the day that he was born, but he never cursed God. There are people I've known in my life that have gone through Job-like experiences. There have been times when I feel like I've gone through a Job-like experience. And the, the story of Job and the book of Job speaks some profound and sometimes painful truths into how it is that we see ourselves and we see ourselves in the world. And we think that we deserve something better than what we may be going through. So we're going to read some selected verses out of Job chapter 4. The first part of this is one of Job's three friends named Eliphaz who was speaking to Job. And we're going to read a couple verses, then I'll comment on it and we'll continue. But I want you, this is, like I said, Job 4, very, fairly early on in the story. But this is where uh, Job is beginning to get a little anxious. His discouragement is beginning to show through. And his friends at this point are trying to be helpful. But sometimes their words and comments aren't as helpful as they thought they could or should or would be. So, without any further ado, let's dig into Job. So, this is the friend Eliphaz talking to Job. Will you be patient let me say a word? Have you ever had a friend that talked to you like that? For who could keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who were weak. Your words have supported those who were falling. You encouraged those with shaky knees. But now, when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? Now, there are a couple things here at the end that I want us to, to point out, first of all, is we see this word confidence and encouragement. A few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I talked about how the actual definition of the word discouragement comes from a lack of confidence. And when Eliphaz is talking to Job here, what he tries to do is he tries to bolster him a little bit about his life and his witness to date. He's talked about how you've helped to embolden people who were weak in the knees. You've helped to give some encouragement to people. And now that you're facing trouble... You're going to get down on your luck. You're going to get discouraged. Well, of course, discouragement comes to us all. We all see things in life that cause us to lose confidence sometimes. But then Eliphaz does something that is so true to our human nature. He puts the focus in the wrong place. Remember when he said, what about you and your confidence, you and your integrity, you and your encouragement. Where was the focus? It was on Job. Is that where our focus should be? On self? But isn't that typically where we put it? God, why'd you do this to me? After all I've done for you, I haven't missed a Sunday in church. I'm working toward tithing. I've been tithing. I've given to the needy. I've gone to the soup kitchen. I haven't, uh, I've waved all five of my fingers at my neighbors and people who cut me off in traffic, right? I haven't even hung my horn, Michael, right? We put the focus on us. After all I've done, God, why would you put me through that? Why would you let that happen to me? Where's the focus? It's on self. Lent encourages us to get the focus off the self. 
and unto the Savior. We are mortals. We are sinners. We are dust. But to God, dust is precious. So let's continue. Verse 7. Stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. A breath from God destroys them. They vanish in a blast of his anger. The why me question appears again. And maybe if it isn't self-focused or self-centered, maybe we ask the question that is posed so frequently. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we see the innocent die and the righteous suffer? Why, God, why? And we all see people who deserve the worst not vanish in a blast of anger, but seem to be elevated or celebrated as opposed to getting the justice that we believe they, they deserve. You know, the Bible has an answer for that. Why do bad things, or why do good things happen to bad people? And it actually is connected to the goodness and the mercy of God. To think about it, this may be the best that they ever have it. Because eternity will be long and it will be hot. But for those who are faithful, for those who look to the breath of God, the Ruach of God, it's like the soul giving life breathing power that brings purpose to the dust. Now it's interesting here when Eliphaz is talking about the breath of God in the Hebrew when Eliphaz mentions that, it is that word ruach, which is the breath of God, which is the same word for breath or Holy Spirit that we see in Genesis. Remember, these are written basically at the same time period when the Holy Spirit swept across the waters and the earth that was formless and void and brought forth life. It's the ruach of God. So we see here that Eliphaz actually references the breath of God that comes to bring life as well well as to destroy. But is his focus exactly in the right place? I don't think it is. And I don't think God thought it was either. How might I think that? Well, let's tarry on. Verse 15. A spirit swept past my face and my hair stood on end. The spirit stopped, but I could not see its shape. There was a form before my eyes. In the silence, I heard a voice say, Can a mortal be innocent before God? Can anyone be pure before the Creator? Eliphaz, at the end of verse 9, was talking about the breath of God that destroys. And then we see in verse 15, the Spirit arrive. Do you want to venture a guess at the word for spirit that Job tells us here in this verse what that is? It's Ruach. It's the Holy Spirit. Eliphaz is thinking about destruction, and then all of a sudden, God shows up in the, 
in the form of the Holy Spirit, very difficult to discern its shape, but then it asks the question, can a mere mortal be innocent before God? Can anyone be pure before the Creator? This is God bringing a message to Eliphaz that we are all sinners in need of salvation. We are all guilty of falling short. When we think that we can rely on our integrity, on our perseverance, on our reverence, when we think that we can do all we need to do in order to be saved, then we have no idea how far it is that we have to go. One of my favorite movies came out in 1984, The Natural, with Robert Redford. Anybody seen that? Oh, great movie. There's a scene when Roy Hobbs is a young kid, probably about maybe 10 years old, 12 years old or so. He's playing catch with his dad. And he's throwing the baseball to his dad, and his dad says, Roy, you've got a gift. You've got a great gift. But if you only rely on your gift, you will fail. You will fail. Oh, my gosh. That stuck with me as a child, and it sticks with me today. Because of the propensity that every single one of us without fault has, regardless of how good we think we may be, of making it about self and not about God. None of us are innocent. None of us are pure. We look at the shambles of our lives or the things that have happened along the way, and we may ask, God, where were you in that? Why did you allow that to happen to me after all I've done for you? The Holy Spirit came and reminded Eliphaz and Job and his friends of the message that we see as we turn our attention toward the New Testament. After the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, when the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, and then skipping down to 23 and 24, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And this is where we can have an internal or maybe an intellectual struggle, is that we want to think that there is something that we can do to earn our salvation. There is something that we think that we should be able to do to be able to make ourselves right by God. But Paul wrote in Ephesians that salvation is God's free gift that comes through grace, not based on anything that anybody could do, lest anyone boast. It is purely a gift that comes to us from God. When we humble ourselves and we acknowledge that we are mortals, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And yes, we are but dust, and to dust that we will return. But the power and the message of Christ takes us back to the damage done in Genesis, where God breathes a new life and a new soul into all those who believe a life that will not perish. 
a hope that will not end. That is not based on anything that you've done are doing or will do outside of your acceptance of the offer of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. When you say, I, Lord God, recognize I am but a mere mortal. I am but dust, and to dust I am going to return. I am a sinner who has made a mess of my life, and I have scattered dust and dirt all over your creation. But to you, dear God, dust is precious. You formed your first out of the dust and then breathed your life into Adam just as you choose and long to bring and breathe your life into me. So in closing, I want us to consider these words that Jesus himself said as recorded in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. Oh, yep, before we do that, we're going to consider what that's Wednesday means. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I got so excited. But this is what it means. Consider. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus came to die for our sins and lead us back to God. And we are dust, and to dust we will return. But in Christ, we will never die. The one who breathes onto and into us the Ruach, the Spirit of God. And now, the words of Jesus from John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die. And whoever, believe, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question, isn't it? That's the question for us all. As we consider that we are mere mortals, from dust we came, and to dust we will return. But dust is precious to God. He breathed his life into dust when he gave his soul to Adam. And he wants to breathe his life into you as we consider and acknowledge that we are in need of a Savior. And God gave us one in his Son and our Savior Jesus. So on this Ash Wednesday, we prepare to come to the table. And in so doing, remember who it is that we are and what it is that we are when we give our life to Jesus. We're going to celebrate tonight with Holy Communion and with the imposition of ashes. We start with the ash because it is a physical reminder that from dust we come and to dust we will return. In a few moments, you'll be welcome to come forward where Pastor Brent and I will have the ash and we will make the sign of the cross on your forehead. What that does is symbolically shows that we recognize our mortality, we recognize our sinfulness, we accept Christ's offer of salvation, and we acknowledge that he died on the cross to save us from our sins. From dust we come, to dust we return. But dust, my friends, is precious to God. After receiving the ash, you may step 
to the corners of the stage, we'll be celebrating Holy Communion. This is a service and celebration where we remember that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples, passing it to them and saying, Take and eat from this, all of you, for this represents my body that is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. For as often as you eat, remember. And when the meal was over, the Lord Jesus took the cup and giving thanks to God, he blessed it, passing it to his disciples. And he said, Take and drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, which is a fancy way of saying that God's promise of salvation comes to you now through the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus pointed out that it was the spilling of his blood that washed us of the stain of sin and offers us the forgiveness that we need. For as often as we eat from the loaf and we drink from the cup and we remember that we are sinners in need of a Savior, we proclaim the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus until he comes again. Do you believe this? Almighty God, we give you thanks for this day, this Ash Wednesday, and this Valentine's Day. We give you thanks for sharing your heart with us, your Son and our Savior Jesus, who came to die for our sins and to offer us the gift of salvation that comes when we believe in you and we believe in him, that he is your Son who died for our sins and was resurrected from the grave. Forgive us, dear Lord, when we do want to make it about ourselves, when we see episodes in Job that strike such a chord in us, when despite our better judgment, we do want to say, why me? Why me indeed? But you change that and ask us to change it as well. Why would you choose to save a wretch like me with all that I've done, with all that I've said, With all the shambles and dust and dirt I've left in my wake, why would you save a wretch like me? And it's because of your love for us in Jesus Christ. Not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. And I thank you for giving us that Valentine and your Son and our Savior Jesus that shows the heartbeat of heaven beats for us. So I pray, Almighty God, that just as you showed up in that conversation between Eliphaz and Job, that your Holy Spirit, your Ruah, your breath of life, descend upon all of us who are gathered here and on this table, Lord God, the gift of the loaf and the cup, as well as the ashes, that as we receive them, that we receive you, and in receiving you, that we commit or recommit our lives to living for you based on the power and the strength of your Son and our Savior, Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God... I pray that you make us one with you and one with each other in service and ministry to all the world until you come in final victory and you take us to that place in heaven where we will rest and feast forever in your heavenly home. But here, in this place, on this Valentine's Day and this Ash Wednesday, we remember that we are dust. From dust we come, to dust we will return. But just as you did with Adam, you want to animate us with the power of your Holy Spirit. So may it be tonight and always, Lord God. Amen and amen. For those who are to assist with communion, please come and join me here in the front. We have the host team that's going to help serve communion as well as members of the band and Pastor Brent.
And let me do that remind you that in our Wesleyan tradition, everyone who is gathered here is welcome to come and receive of these the elements of Holy Communion. It's an open table. The only prerequisite, the only commitment is that you want to be in a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so as you come forward, we will take a piece from the loaf, we'll break it off and then place it in your hand. And you may step to the side, we have chalices filled with grape juice where you can take the bread, you can dip it in the cup, and you can eat it. You'll first come though to Brent and me, we'll be standing here by the table to get the imposition of the ashes. As we do that, if you happen to be wearing glasses, I would recommend that you take them off. Otherwise, you may need some windshield wipers before you head home. But what we will do is we will just simply make the sign of the cross on your forehead. And we will remind you that from dust you came, and to dust you will return. So, Michael, take and eat. Pat, give thanks and remember... For David, this is the body of Christ given for you. Tammy, take and eat, give thanks and remember. For Brent, this is the body of Christ given for you. Christian, take, eat, give thanks and remember. For Mary, this is the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Give thanks and remember. For Pat, this is the blood of Christ that is shed for you. David, take and drink. Give thanks and remember for the blood of Christ that is shed for you. Brent, take, eat. Give thanks and remember. For Christian, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Give thanks and remember. Remember you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. Remember you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. Remember you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. Remember you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. Remember you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. Remember, you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. Remember, you are dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. I just have you on the corner of the stage here. And go to that corner over there. The Powells and the gray cars have traditional bread and juice as communion elements this evening. It is King's Hawaiian loaf. And my joke gets old, but nothing less than the best for the King of Kings. Mary has over here our affectionately known as the Lunchables Communion. If you would prefer to not have communion touched by hands, even though they've all been, uh, they've all been sanitized. And we also here have gluten-free, if you would prefer the gluten-free option. But as you come forward, I recommend that you come down from the center aisle. Come to whichever side is most convenient for you. Brent and I will do the imposition of ashes, and then you may step to the side where you can receive your communion elements, Lunchables, King's Hawaiian, 
and gluten-free here in the center. But the table is set and the feast is ready. Let us come.
thank you for being here this evening and part of this special service and giving of your Valentine's Day to spend time with the heart of God. I pray that as the band leads us out in song and prepare to continue with the rest of our evening, that you find that you felt God here tonight. If during the closing song you feel like you need to come and spend a little time with our maker here at the altar, it's open. I invite you to come and spend the time that you need. If you need time after the service to pray or perhaps to talk to Pastor Brent or myself, we'll be here. Nothing would make us happier than to help you on your Jesus journey to draw closer to God our Father in heaven. Thanks to the power of his Son and our Savior Jesus. So will you stand as we close in prayer here this evening and sing our final song? Almighty God, we give you thanks for this day and for this holy mystery in which you've given yourself for us. Empower us and nurture us and nourish us with the elements of communion that we have received tonight and for the reminders that we wear on our heads today that we are dust and to dust we will return. But dust is precious to you, for it is your creation. And you choose to bring your life through your breath into us that we may live for you. Lord, may we see beyond ourselves and see our Savior Jesus as that chief cornerstone upon which our life is built. A firm foundation indeed. That when the calamities of life may fall, that you, almighty God won't let us down and will be with us to calm us in the storm. We pray this in the name of your Son and our Savior Jesus. Amen and amen.
Hey, thank you for being here tonight on this Ash Wednesday and this Valentine's Day. I got some good news for you. That even though the, the rain fell and the wind blew and it tried to shake Job's foundation, Job wasn't ultimately shaken. And even though he experienced calamity in his life, the scripture tells us that God restored to him, what, tenfold, right? Ten in the scripture means complete, perfect. It wasn't the same. It was all new. God wants to give you new life in Jesus Christ. And it comes when you confess your sin, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and receive the offer of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. So as you go forth from this place tonight, know that God wants to bring restoration to your life. He wants the ashes that you feel and that you have on you today to be symbolic. That dust, even dust, is precious to God, and that means you are too. God wants to restore you with his love and his power and his mercy. And he'll do it if you let him and if you believe him. So do you believe him? We hope to see you Sunday as we continue in our series on forgiveness called Sorry. Pastor Brent will be talking about justice and the restoration that comes as a result of forgiveness and mercy. And we hope to see you then. Have a great rest of your week. God bless you, and know that you are loved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.